1: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jetikin. I'm alive, Des. She made it. I made it. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this episode is coming to you late this week because I woke up on Monday morning completely unable to move. I was lying on my floor for about an hour until I was able to pull myself up into a seating position. I had thrown my back out. That has never happened to me before. Uh, So (laughs) I had to go to the doctor, get a shot of some anti-inflammatory drug into my ass. Wow. Um, (laughs) Being very graphic about it. Um, And... Then I was sent home with 800 milligrams of Motrin because I had to deny the muscle relaxants. Obviously, I'm a sober icon. I can't have that. I <laughs> <laughs> can't have any of the good stuff. Uh, but I've been in excruciating pain all week, and today has actually been like the first day that I feel semi-normal. Good. So I'm on the mend. Good. Yeah. No more P90X for me for a while. <laughs> but I'll return eventually once I build my core strength up because clearly that's an issue for me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. Thank you for all the well wishes. It was really appreciated. And we are going to have a great show today. So let's start out by thanking our lovely patrons. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood scene. This week we had Allison, Katrina, Matt, Amanda, Abigail, Arden, Suzanne, Christina, Hope, Mackenzie, Oda, Robert, Brianna, Aaron, Margo, Steve, Zach, Gina, Laura, Kelsey, Maggie, Anne, Leanne, Nicole, Janine, Laura, and Suzanne. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Well, Desi... As promised, I mean, I guess it wasn't promised. I kind of (laughs) made an offhand remark that I would do this one specific story on last week's main show. And that is the story of the Black Widows of Los Angeles. That is what they have been called before. Uh, So this is actually a story that I referenced briefly in our, I think it was our Marie McDonald episode. Okay. About uh, my dream role with you to play in a reenactment show would be these two old ladies. Okay. So (laughs) I I feel like we could do them
2: justice. (laughs) Okay,
1: Now, uh, one of the main articles I got a lot of info about these two women's early life from was an LA Times article written by Paul Pringle and Hemi So. And uh, this is the story of two women named Olga Ruderschmidt and Helen Golay. I feel like I want to be Helen. (laughs) You actually definitely are Helen. Okay, good. I can't wait to see why. (laughs) 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 I mean, like I would cast you to play Helen. Okay, good.
2: Okay. So I I had the instinct. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Olga Ruderschmidt was born in Hungary in 1933 In 1956, when she was in her 20s, Olga fled Hungary for the States. By the 1980s, she was living in Los Angeles. And it was there that she met Helen Golay, another woman who was in her 50s, and they met at a popular West L.A. health club. (laughs) Now, Helen and Olga liked to hang around the Beverly Hills Hotel and the Roosevelt and other fancy hotels in the L.A. area because they would pose as guests of the hotel, even though they were not guests. And they would basically go into the locker room, you know, they would sometimes swipe other people's personal belongings out of the locker room. So
2: they were like already starting a little crime. Yes. They, they both realized that like, they know, they
1: notice each other scamming at the same hotel and that's how they met. They're like, Oh, you're scamming this hotel. You're not a guest here either, but you're using the facilities. Oh cool. Let's do it together. It's like Carol
2: and Maude when they see each other at at the funerals all the time and they're like, wait a second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. They had something in common. And they would hang out by the pool and also look for wealthy men to scam as well. Other reports say that they, oh, like I said before, they there were reports that they stole purses and credit cards from the gym locker rooms. Okay, so they were like really just going for it. Helen Goulet. Oh, sorry, not, not Goulet, Goulet. I keep <laughs> thinking of Robert Goulet. I know, it must be hard. Helen Goulet was born Helen Louise Salisbury in Eastland County, Texas in 1931. Though Helen was a bright student, her home life was strained. She lived with her grandfather. She also lived in a foster home at one point, And she had also spent two years living at her friend Bonnie's house before graduating from high school. After she graduated, she moved to Los Angeles where she met her husband, Vernon Gole. Vernon and Helen had two daughters together, but they divorced after nine years of marriage. Helen later married David J. Wells, and they also had a daughter together, but they divorced after just a year of marriage. She's like, I'm going
2: back to Gole. <laughs>
1: I know I like cooler name. It's a way more like fancy name, absolutely. Than Wells, yeah. she's like I want to be Helen Goulet. Helen Goulet. <laughs> In the 1980s, Helen became a real estate agent. For 15 years, Helen worked for an older man named Artie Aaron. When he died, Helen became the owner of his properties, totaling millions of dollars. Wow. So she managed to like become the title owner. Okay, of those. That's impressive. Yeah. Helen had used a power of attorney agreement to do this. Artie's daughter, Diana, took Helen to court over this, but she lost. Wow So she left her boss's daughter penniless with nothing
2: It's not her fault, that the guy wanted
1: to leave everything to her <laughs> <laughs> And Diana actually told the l a Times that she felt cheated and that Helen was stealing something that wasn't hers. I yeah. mean, look, I'm sure Helen pulled some shady shit. To make this happen, if I was
2: the daughter, I would be furious. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I absolutely would
1: be furious, right? And I'm sure the way Helen posed it to Artie was like, "Oh, just transfer this
2: into I'll my name. i take care of
1: your daughter." Probably, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there was no, there was something absolutely fishy Look, going on. But
2: Artie fucked his daughter over. <laughs> like, Artie Ar- 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 was
1: sh- just getting hers. <laughs> Artie should not have trusted Helen Goulet. No. Helen's relationship with her oldest daughter, Kesha was close for many years, but their relationship would dissolve after Helen took, took to controlling who Kesha was allowed to date. And this was when her daughter was a grown ass woman. She was like telling her like, uh, I don't like that man for you. Wow. And you better fucking break up with him. So that caused friction in there. Yeah. In their relationship. Helen wanted her daughter to marry a rich, older man. And so when Kesha <laughs> brought home a guy that was neither old nor rich, Helen was pretty upset. She's like, I want to fuck
2: that guy over.
1: <laughs> get me someone good. <laughs> yeah, get me someone I can work with, Kesha. According to this boyfriend, Helen marched over to the home of his mother and knocked on her door. Helen said, my name is Helen Golay. Your son is a nice boy, but he is not what I had in mind for Kesha. I'm looking for someone older, wealthier, and more
2: established. Damn. That is a bold move, going to the Absolutely. mom's house. Like, get your son off my fucking daughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Because the mother's going to be like, you don't want to get involved with this girl because you don't want to deal with that mother. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it right. is such a great...
1: She's, sort of defense right now she, like the mom is like involved yeah so the boyfriend said that helen came back next like a month later after her like him and the daughter still continued dating and helen was like oh they're still dating i'm going back to this to his house to the mom's house because she wanted them to break up so this time helen said didn't you understand your son is not what i had in mind for kesha Oh, my God. Yeah. Nightmare. Helen continued to meddle in her adult daughter's relationship for years until 2003 when it finally reached a boiling point. At that time, Kesha was dating a man named Steve Tarasevitz. Once again, Helen did not approve of the man her daughter was dating. So she sued them for assault and trespassing. <laughs> now, I couldn't find details on this alleged assault or trespassing, But as we'll later learn, Helen has a thing for suing people. Okay. So I feel like this could have been literally like anything.
2: She's a real let me speak to your manager vibe. Right? Like she's just She's the ultimate I wanna speak to the manager. Right. She's like a control freak.
1: I need to show you a picture right now that we're talking about. I want to speak to the manager because I need you to see a picture of what Helen Golay looks like.
2: Although I still want to be Helen. I do feel like I don't have an I want to speak to your manager vibe. (laughs) (laughs) No, but
1: she is definitely a ruthless woman. I mean, look, I'm just going to say right now, Helen, Helen is not a good person, but she is just a completely wild batshit character so that's why this case is particularly fascinating right because both these women are like out of their fucking minds
2: but they're also just completely like self-centered oh my god yeah
1: the most narcissistic hold on sorry i gotta find this picture i saved this is a picture of helen golay
2: (laughs) that doesn't look like a real person no that is insane and not at all what I was expecting for some reason. Like I am genuinely stunned. She looks like Patsy from. <laughs> from AbFab. From AbFab. But like at 90. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Even though she's probably like in her 60s here. like Right. Uh, she has like bleach blonde hair and it's really puffy kind of helmet looking hairstyle. And she has like incredibly dated looking sunglasses.
1: (laughs) She has like those like transitional lens sunglasses on with gold rims. And she has this like bright, bright red lipstick on. And she just looks like fucking try me, bitch.
2: She is simultaneously tough, but then also trying to look like a Beverly Hills woman. kind Right. Of. It's weird. It's Helen hilarious. Helen definitely had like an obsession
1: with status as yeah. well. Like yeah. she really wanted to be known as like, oh, and she also wore really tight revealing clothes too. Even,
2: okay. I love her. <laughs> even when she was older. <laughs> I know she's awful. No, but... she's
1: awful. But yeah, but she is a hilarious character. So, in a statement to the court, Kesha, the daughter, alleged that Helen threatened to kill her boyfriend, Steve, and that she had, quote, put up with 30 years of psychopathic behavior from her mother. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was like that was her fucking breaking point with her. She's
2: got to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, there's just no working with that kind of mother. No. You need to escape. She had to get, yeah.
1: Both Helen and Olga had a love of scamming as well as a love of as well as a love of getting the courts involved when either of them felt that they had been wronged. For example, Helen once sued a woman who she suspected stole some leather skirts from her. Ooh,
2: <laughs> leather skirts! You stole my North Beach leather metallic bronze skirt. Can you, can you skirt. even imagine <laughs> suing being your like first option on any dispute you've, you're having? Like, right. I've never thought of suing someone honestly. Like, never. It's never crossed my mind. Like. <laughs>
1: That's like, can you imagine if like every lesbian relationship, they ended up suing each other for the clothes that they left behind at the right. other's house?
2: Right. Where's my pajama bottoms? <laughs> Look, that's happened to me before. And you know what I did? I never
1: called her again about my pajama bottoms because I was too embarrassed.
2: Yeah, that. I honestly wouldn't even do that. I let so those that- <laughs> pajama bottoms go. She can have them. <laughs> to me, them. it's like not worth the conflict. Like I'm very conflict averse. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. No. So I'm definitely not going to do that. She took this bitch to court. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's like a next level like psycho bitch. <laughs> I'm just an average psycho bitch. Even <laughs> like, just like the process to file a suit. I'm too, li- <laughs> most of it is me being too lazy <laughs> to do anything like even like when I want to stalk someone or discover who they are, like I'm just way too lazy to do any of my harebrained schemes. Yeah, I agree. That's how most of them don't happen. Right.
1: Helen. So Helen sues this woman for leather skirts that she thinks have been stolen from her. She also sued a gym because she claimed that she got hurt on one of the machines.
2: Rachel, <laughs> your, your your lawsuit is waiting for you. You got you got you got a back pain from doing too hard of a burpee. <laughs> <laughs> The, the instructor should have come up, come over to you and said, hey, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Don't you, go that hard, girl. You saw me going after those burpees. Oh, yeah, because I was definitely not going at those burpees. But who has been walking the past few days? Me, the lazy bitch. <laughs> I know what I can handle. <laughs> so,
1: Olga also loved suing people. So she oh. sued. Another she, thing they have in common. <laughs> Olga sued Ralph's supermarket because, uh. she, <laughs> because she alleged that a stack of boxes fell on top of her while she was shopping. Would love to have seen that. <laughs> Why do I get the feeling? That it that it was definitely her pushing over the- Pushing sp- it over and going, ah! ah! <laughs> <laughs> and i imagine they weren't even heavy they're like the tea boxes right like a
2: huge stack of liptons on sale. i love it i would love to come across someone trying to sue like that would be a hilarious moment to see (laughs)
1: olga is like the classic late like old scammer lady who wears the neck brace everywhere right
2: right she always has it with her (laughs) and brings like her little dog with her just for sympathy
1: She also sued a coffee shop in Hollywood because she claimed another patron tased her. And look, I'm sure if that even did happen, she probably deserved it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She definitely antagonized it. Probably. Look, it didn't happen, but if it did, (laughs) yeah, look, if it happened, which it did not happen, I want (laughs) to hear them out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another incident occurred at a coffee shop again in 1997 when Olga had a meltdown over a muffin that she claimed was inedible. <laughs>
2: Look, if I was ever going to sue, that would be for that would be a reason why. First of all, though, you don't order muffins. 99% of <laughs> muffins are terrible I fucking love muffins i like muffins but come on most places do not have a good muffin where you're like this is worth the calories you know what
1: if it's like a good local place and it has a good crust on top of the muffin you can look at it
2: and i can know it's a of good course muffin. but sometimes they have like a real boxed flavor no yeah me. no you don't yeah. get a muffin at a or cheap dry place. no no you got to get like a Homemade looking, where it's very jam. No offense to the people who hate this word, moist. <laughs> like you want your muffin to be kind of moist. No, you do want a moist muffin. I hate muffin. fucking dry muffins. No, you don't want it with the fake blueberry stuff inside. No. You never get a blueberry. I'm muffin. just saying, I have very specific demands. I do too. Of a muffin I do
1: too, and they are delicious. So let's hear Olga out. Okay. So this muffin was inedible. She I threw a fucking scene at this coffee place she had to be escorted off the premises (laughs) because she was so upset about this muffin that she ate. I don't see any crime here. (laughs) (laughs) She then tried to sue the coffee shop for emotional damages. Wow. Because of
2: this bad muffin. That's an insane escalation. Don't you think the restaurant would have just been like, we'll give you your $3 back, right? Like at some point it's not worth it. Right. So she definitely was... I want to sue and I'm going to not let them fix this. Right. right. Like I bet how Olga even ate the whole muffin and was she like, she probably ate the whole thing. Yeah. And then was like, this was dry <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like that old school, like this was terrible. And it was a small portion.
1: Right. So according to a handyman from Olga's apartment, he one time asked her what she did for a living. And she said, I sue people (laughs) now. now, okay, so what's her job? Now, she said this around the time of the muffin incident. Right. So the muffin suit was dropped when the handyman threatened to come forward with this information. Because I guess she was making a lot of noise about this muffin suit.
2: And At he was the, like, actually, I have can intel. you imagine this whole thing is insane. <laughs> I can't even believe how much has happened over a muffin. Like, yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, if I was in charge of the justice system, it would mostly be food related. crimes. <laughs> That's the cases I'd be hearing. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. We would we would definitely sue that McDonald's that gave us cold fries. I
2: would be the judge who gives them very large settlements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would be my thing. (laughs) Okay. So, Olga's last known
1: job was working at a coffee shop in downtown LA that she owned with her husband, Andre. But the coffee shop closed down sometime in the 70s. Olga and Andre divorced, and he later died in Hungary. But according to voter records, Andre had still been casting ballots long after his death.
2: Wow. <laughs> so She's a voter fraud. She was committing voter fraud. Like, imagine doing that for what right. <laughs> purpose? Like, <laughs>
1: Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Olga had been living in her Hollywood apartment since the 70s, and she never updated the decor since. Ugh. That gets me off. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) First of all, I cannot blame her for this. Yeah. Because there is nothing I hate more than when somebody ruins the integrity of a weird old retro place.
2: Any kind of retro place. Yeah.
1: Look, I understand if it's like, especially
2: for eighties, gross stuff. Like it wasn't like you were removing it for good stuff. No, it's always
1: like some, it's getting replaced with like either boring fucking Ikea shit or like Granite. that or that granite that everyone had in the early 2000s or, or like, like the
2: glass blocks <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
2: that the is glass block shower was, stall that
1: was the worst design concept that happened in the 80s it was bizarre fucking like, how did disturbing that take off demented yeah. i hate it so she never updated the decor in her apartment the countertops were still pink the walls were still olive green and the carpet <laughs> was like a shag green and she never changed it. Amazing. I I mean, I look. Pink and
2: green is a great color combination. And look, that's
1: like a pretty good for the 70s because there are some horrific 70s decor things. Like if it was like a poop brown carpet shag, maybe you don't want that. Yeah. You know? No. With like a mustard wall. Although it might cover up some dog accidents. (laughs) Yeah, you with a dog. Yeah. So in 1997, Olga Ruderschmidt began taking care of 71-year-old man named Paul Vados. Paul was homeless, and Olga offered to set him up at an apartment and pay his rent.
2: Oh, that seems like her. (laughs) She's
1: a very generous, selfless human being, Desi. Paul immigrated to the U.S. from Hungary in 1956. After the death of his wife in the 80s, Paul lived with his daughter in Hollywood until the mid-90s. By 1997, he was living in an apartment on South Fedora Street in Koreatown in Los Angeles that Helen was offering to to pay pay for. for. Uh Yes, Paul was an unemployed alcoholic who lived in squalor. Olga would come by a couple times a month to bring him groceries and to help him pay his rent. Olga told the apartment manager that she was Paul's sister. On the mor- morning of November 8, 1999, police discovered the body of 73-year-old Paul Vados in an alley near La Brea and Beverly, just one mile from Olga's Hollywood apartment. Paul was found with a crushed chest and twisted torso, and his clothing was covered in grease. The injuries sustained by Paul indicated that he was run over by a slow-moving car. He had no identification on him. The autopsy concluded that Paul Vados had died from multiple traumatic injuries, including a fatal laceration to his aorta. He had 48 fractures to the ribs. Damn. Yeah. On November 17th, just over a week after Paul's body was found, Olga filed a missing persons report for Paul, who she said that she had last seen on November 5th when her and Helen Golay went to went to his apartment to help him pay his rent. Olga identified herself to police as Paul's cousin. Oh sorry, I said that was a sister before. She actually claimed to be his cousin. Okay. So Olga goes to the police, she identifies herself as Paul's cousin. Helen also goes to the police with her and identifies herself as Paul's fiance. Okay. Six different life insurance policies had been taken out on Paul Vados, wow. with the beneficiaries of these life insurance policies being either to Olga Ruderschmidt or Helen Golay. And this is a guy who was virtually homeless. He was he homeless. Got, so
2: why would he have life insurance policies? Like, right?
1: <laughs> Olga had purchased a rubber stamp of Paul Vados' signature to sign the insurance policies with. Hmm. Helen received $25,000 from Mutual of Omaha. Olga received $20,000 from another insurance company and $25,000 from an additional one. One of the higher payouts that they received was $187,000 from Monumental Life Insurance. Wow. They also received $65,000 each from Continental Casualty, casualty Insurance. Wait, was it, is it casualty or casuals?
2: Casualty, Whatever. probably. Casualty.
1: I guess insurance company, whatever. They both got 65 grand each from this one place. In 2002, Olga and Helen befriended a homeless man in his late 40s named Kenneth McDavid. Kenneth, who was originally from Northern California, had been living on the streets outside of First Presbyterian Church in Hollywood. The church often fed Kenneth. So he would stay on the street like in a tent or sleeping outside on the street like, around this church and he would go in there and get meals right. from them. And this is where the, this is where Olga met him
2: <laughs> where she befriended him. <laughs> yes. She was vo- I like the word befriended, like used in the circumstance <laughs> that, that
1: yes, it's pretty grim. So Helen uh, and Olga, you know, are going into this church, like with the intention, quote unquote of like, Oh, we just want to help the homeless. We just right. want to give assistance to these people and help. They clearly them. have their little MO now. Exactly. Olga and Helen offered Kenneth McDavid shelter. Helen rented Kenneth an apartment in Hollywood. All of the checks used to pay his rent were from Helen's account.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
2: visit betterhelp.com/hcs today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p.com/hcs. At
1: one point while he was living at the apartment, Kenneth let a group of his friends that he knew from the street stay with him. Olga found out about this and was furious. She told Kenneth that this was not their arrangement. He was to live there by himself. Olga tried to enter the apartment, but Kenneth wouldn't let her in. Cause she started getting really aggressive and okay. he's like, fuck you. Don't come in my house. Like,
2: but they were paying his rent at this point. Yes. Uh-huh. But he was like letting, he friends, was still acting like he had rights as if it was his place. Yeah. Like in his mind, it was his apartment. Yeah. And also yeah.
1: his like, you know, friends were living on the street. Right. He just was like, okay, comes, you can crash here at right. my place for the night. Olga sought out a man named Douglas Crapo, who lived in the same building that she did. Olga told Douglas that she worked under real estate agent Helen Golay and that she needed help evicting someone from one of her properties. She asked Douglas to take a gun with him because Kenneth was, quote, a violent street person. Olga and Douglas got to the apartment and once they were inside, Olga took the gun from Douglas's pocket and showed it to Kenneth. Douglas could see that like, this guy, Kenneth, living there was not the threatening man that Olga made him out to right. be. And he was kind of like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, we're trying to, like, threaten this guy now, with a gun. are these
2: apartments the ones that Helen owns? No. Oh, okay. No. So they're just renting him a place. They're just renting him a place. Got it. And she's just lying to
1: this guy who lives in her building. Right. Like, okay. oh, Helen is the owner of this building. Right. No. Helen does not own this. She's just paying the rent. Okay. Um. So... Doug is like, I don't want to get involved in this anymore. So he he's like, I'm over it. I'm out of here. A few weeks later, one of Kenneth's friends named Patrick LeMay came by Kenneth's apartment to retrieve some of the stuff that he'd left there. But he was met by Olga at the door, as well as a security guard that she had hired named Jose Luna. He was allowed to grab his stuff and leave immediately. Now, security guard Jose Luna was hired to stand guard at the apartment every day for a week from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. to make sure that no one except for Kenneth McDavid entered the unit. Wow. I mean, that's pretty crazy. She's like gone to the point like where she's hiring a security guard to monitor. So this guy doesn't have anyone coming in and out of the unit. In late 2004, Olga Ruderschmidt called the manager for the building that Kenneth was living in. She screamed at her, demanding that the homeless people living in the unit she had rented be evicted. But the manager, a woman named Denelli Cosgrove, explained to her that she would have to talk to the person who was actually renting the apartment, Helen Golay. So Olga obviously wasn't even paying for the rent. It was under right. Helen's name. And she's like, why are you calling me? Right. I'm. You're not the tenant. Yeah. Like, that's not my problem. So Danielle told Helen that she had to remove her own subtenants and Helen was pissed. So she also screamed at this apartment manager. But eventually, Kenneth and his friends vacated the apartment and Helen Golay terminated the lease on the unit. According to the apartment manager, she last saw Kenneth back on the streets of Hollywood traveling with some personal belongings and a bicycle. In January 2005, Olga Ruderschmidt purchased a 1999 Mercury Sable station wagon and registered the car's name to Hillary Adler. She told the dealer that Hillary was a friend of hers and that she was buying this car for her. She registered the car to South Croft Avenue, but Hillary didn't live at that address. Hillary lived in Encino. And Hillary wasn't even a friend of Olga at all. <laughs> In fact, she didn't even know Olga. So who is this woman? Yeah. Well, back in 2003, Olga had stolen Hillary's purse out of a gym locker room and got her information. So she's registering this car to this woman she doesn't even know. In 2005, Helen Golay rented rooms for Kenneth at several different Hollywood motels from January to June. And on June 22nd, at 1 a.m., the body of 50-year-old Kenneth McDavid was found in an alley off Santa Monica Boulevard in Westwood. Damn. Kenneth's upper body had been crushed. At the scene was a bicycle with its wheel removed and lying underneath the bike. There were no signs of damage to the bike, nor, were there any, nor was there any glass at the scene, which would have been consistent with a typical hit and run. So it was just this body, again...
2: Looked like it was a slow-moving vehicle, right. Rachel? I have to say, I'm really curious how these women are killing these guys because I can't figure it out yet. Okay, well, I'll I'm tell the, you. We're gonna get to. We're it. gonna get to it. Surveillance
1: footage showed a 1999 silver Mercury, mercury Sable turn into the alleyway at around 11:45 p.m. Toxicology reports showed alcohol in Kenneth's system as well as a variety of prescription ju- drugs, including Ambien and Vicodin. So they were drugging these men first. Yeah, Kenneth had ID on him and Olga Ruderschmidt was notified when he was found dead. Olga ID'd the body at the coroner's office. According to Detective Dennis Kilcoin in an interview with Jeff Johnson at Vice Magazine, Helen and Olga went to the police department to retrieve the traffic accident report so that they could send it to their insurance companies. Okay. 17 different life insurance policies have been taken out on Kenneth McDavid by Helen and Olga from 2002 to 2003. Helen received over $1.5 million and Olga received over $674,000. Oh my God. Helen was once again named as a fiance. So now she's the fiance to Kenneth and Olga was his business partner. Okay. One of the insurance companies, Mutual of New York, denied payment to Helen and Olga because they could not prove Kenneth McDavid's income. Helen and Olga claim that Kenneth's annual income was $65,000 a year, which obviously we know is a lie because he was homeless and unemployed. Helen and Olga also declared to Mutual of New York that no other life insurance had been taken out on Kenneth. Obviously, also a lie. 16 other policies have been taken out on him. So Mutual of New York discovered that the company that Helen and Olga alleged to have been investors in with Kenneth was a non-existent company. Like they had fabricated this whole... We're his
2: business partner, So he was insured under that guy's... Yes, that we're investing
1: in his business. Right. In May of 2006, nearly a year after Kenneth's death, Olga called a lawyer to inquire about suing the insurance company. Olga told the lawyer that Kenneth was a screenwriter and that her and her business partner, Helen Golay, had invested in him and should he ever become successful. The lawyer told her that according to... Uh, The tax returns, Kenneth's income was actually somewhere between $40 and $200. Damn. Like, obviously considerably less than $65,000 a year that they had claimed. Olga switched tactics. Well, she said, what if I was related to
2: him? Could I get (laughs) the insurance? How
1: about
2: about that? I like pitching your different excuses.
1: Yeah. What if I
2: were to tell you that we were related? Would then I get the money?
1: Like, <laughs> and the lawyer was doing the lawyer thing like, well, yes, that would change.
2: Yes, but is
1: that true? Like, he said yeah, that. He yeah. was like, can you prove that, that yeah. you are related to him? And, um, you know, Olga was like, okay, I'm going to go prove to you that I'm his cousin. I'm
2: going to Kinko's, I mean, home. <laughs> I'll be right back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, this law firm declined to continue with this suit. Okay. They're like, we don't, we're yeah. not going to do this. Now, there were many discrepancies found in several of the life insurance claims that Helen and Olga had taken out on Kenneth. Several of the insurance companies ended up refusing payment to the women. An investigator of Mutual of New York Life Insurance inquiring about obtaining copies of the accident reports for a $500,000 life insurance policy on Kenneth, who police surmised was a homeless man, caused great suspicion. A detective in the squad room remarked that he had a case like this back in 1999. He was referring to the hit and run accident with Paul Vados. When he pulled the file, the same two little old ladies were involved in that case. <laughs> I just love the idea of this detective being like, Oh yeah, that reminds me of this crazy. It's like the first yeah. time he mentions Wait, it. Helen and Olga. <laughs> like, and also the names are so distinct. Like he never mentioned this before.
2: Yeah. It's always It it is always weird when it takes cops so long to put cases (laughs) together that are clearly connected to even a layman. Like
1: yeah, it's just funny to me. So now this was a homicide case. Okay, it was discovered that at eleven fifty one p.m. on the night of Kenneth's murder, a tow request was made with AAA for a nineteen ninety nine silver Mercury Sable station wagon. It was Helen Golay who called for the tow. Police records showed that while Helen was riding in the cab of the tow truck, she called Olga. An inspection of the Mercury Sable revealed blood, tissue, and hair. The DNA was a match to Kenneth McDavid. The car ended up being auctioned off at the tow, at the tow yard after the murder and was sold to a family in L.A., so police had to buy the car back from the father who purchased it uh-huh. because it was now considered the murder weapon
0: oh, Okay. so this
1: poor guy who had like bought this car he gets screwed yeah they actually I read like the cop in the interview with Vice he was like we like bought Reimbursed him a new car him, yeah. yeah but like I, I what I was thinking of like how creepy it would be to know that I've been driving my family around in a car that had like tissue on it on the undercarriage yeah. and like Is there's blood. like evidence he's <laughs> <was> so freaked <laughs> out really gross On May 18, 2006, Helen Golay and Olga Ruderschmidt were arrested on suspicion of mail fraud and murder. A search of Helen's apartment found prescription bottles for Vicodin and Ambien, along with other drugs that were found in Kenneth McDavid's system. A post-it note was found with Paul Vados' date of birth, social security number, California ID number, as well as his parents' names written on it. It was also discovered that Olga had used the same rubber stamp company in Hollywood to purchase a stamp for Kenneth's signature, just as she had done for Paul Vados. I mean, they need to mix it up a bit. They need to go to a different stamp company. Yeah, that's crazy. Because I'd be like, oh, wow, you love buying men's stamps. I didn't
2: even know you could buy stamps of someone's signature. Is that like a popular thing still? That seems like so 50s. Where you would just stamp someone's signature, like you're a paralegal or something,
1: like right? I never had a signature stamp, but I feel like when I was like a kid, I had a stamp of my initials on it or something. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Police interrogated both Helen and Olga in the same room. When Detective Dennis Kilcoyne left the room, Helen and Olga argued with each other for over a half hour, and obviously it was all caught on tape. Now, they're fucking furious at each other, and you can (laughs) just imagine these two old bats.
2: You didn't show me Olga. Is there a picture of her?
1: Yes, there's a picture of her. She's definitely a lot more homely looking. I mean, look, they're not prized pigs, but... (laughs) But Helen has a little bit more style. Olga's a little earthier looking. Okay. Okay. Uh, So they're arguing in this interrogation room. Olga accused Helen of getting greedy. She said, quote, you can't make that many insurances. It's on your name only. You have to because you did all the insurances extra. That's what raised the suspicion. You can't do that. (laughs) Stupidity. (laughs) So Helen and Olga were jailed and held without bail until their trial began. In June of 2006, detectives began investigating the death of another man, 97-year-old Fred Downey. In 2000, Fred was hit by a car and killed. The driver of the vehicle was found out to be not at fault, but Fred had a connection to Helen Golay and her daughter, Kesha. In 2000, Kesha met the elderly man who was living in Massachusetts at the time, she convinced him to move out to L.A. and to rent an apartment at her mother's building in Santa Monica. That same year, he was struck and killed by a car near the apartment. Helen and Kesha took over the title to Fred's Massachusetts home, and they sold it for a hefty sum. So according to one of Helen's friends, she had bragged about getting her hands on some of Fred's money before he died. So police looked into that again because they're like oh another car accident but there was no foul play to be found but they definitely were like yeah well i'm
2: this fits the mo
1: it fits the mo but also it just shows helen's character of like she sees these people human beings as disposable she wants to get a hand on their money i guess in june of 2006 uh la an L.A. Times article reported that Helen Gole's hairdresser said that one time Helen told her that you could make a lot of money by marrying a rich older man and giving him enough Viagra to cause a heart attack. The I'm ha- just saying. <laughs> <laughs> casual convo. Right, just a casual thing to say to your hairdresser. The hairdresser said that Helen said, I am evil. You have no idea how evil I am.
2: Jesus. <laughs> and she is... <laughs> I mean, if you have, you have to look at her picture because that will make that statement even funnier to me. Yeah, like, exactly. She's crazy. She's a trip. In August of 2006,
1: three more homeless men were sought out in connection to Helen Golay and Olga Ruderschmidt. 47-year-old Jimmy Covington, 67-year-old Nicholas Coos, and Scott don't have his age they were all discovered by insurance companies to have taken claims out on them by olga and helen okay so the 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 police issued this public alert in the newspapers with these men's pictures like have you seen these men in connection with like you know whatever a fucking crime we're investigating yeah and so one of the guys jimmy he was living on the streets at this point and his friend contacted him and was like, Uh, I just saw your face on the paper. Okay. You might want to contact the police and he's like, Oh my God, oh my God. And he like read the whole story and he was freaking out because he's like, Oh my god, yeah, those
2: women So they had contacted him or whatever. Yes. Befriended.
1: So at the trial, Jimmy Covington testified that Olga Ruderschmidt approached him in Hollywood while he was homeless and living on the streets. Olga promised Jimmy money and shelter in exchange for answering some questions and filling out some paperwork. Olga gave Jimmy access to a room in an office with a futon in it for him to stay. Now, Jimmy said that at first he trusted her. But as time went on, Olga grew more demanding and hostile. And he thought that he was being scammed. Okay. so he got out. After about like a week, he was like,
2: no. Did they have any policies on him or he was just, oh, yeah. Oh, so they were already buying stuff on these people. Yes. Jimmy left
1: the building and stopped filling out the paperwork that Olga was giving to him because she had become verbally abusive. He had no idea at the time that she was taking out life and life insurance policy on him. Okay. So what Olga and Helen would do, like their tactic is they would, take out the policy as soon as they met these people, basically. And then they would wait two years. Like the plan was to wait two years, be paying the premiums for two years. Yeah. And then murder them. Okay. Though Olga only ended up giving Jimmy $15 in a hamburger during the time he was living in that office building that she let him stay at. He told the press outside the courtroom that he was just grateful to be alive. Kenneth McDavid's sister, 45-year-old Sandra Salmon, testified at the trial. She said that her brother called her in the spring of 2005, just months before he was murdered. Now, prior to that, she hadn't heard from her brother in 10 years. Kenneth told Sandra that he was doing well and that he had a job. Kenneth's family didn't hear about his death until five months later after he was murdered because it was Olga and Helen who claimed the body. So his own family... Didn't even find out until that much later, which is really sad. According to a statement made outside of the courtroom, Sandra said that her family had no idea that Kenneth had been living on the streets. She was really sad that he never reached out for help. And she also said that Kenneth loved music and had previously worked as a DJ in San Francisco. Helen Golay's defense attorney argued that a little old lady couldn't have possibly committed these crimes. It had to have been her daughter Kesha behind the wheel. How (laughs) dare she! (laughs) Damn, that's so cold. This is the defense. This is the defense that Helen Golay's attorney is going with.
2: Throw your daughter under the bus, even if it's true. You need to go to
0: jail.
2: (laughs) Like it's so awful. What a bitch!
1: I mean, that's a bitch. That is what a bitch. And Kesha is like. I don't I don't think Kesha was at the trial, but like, yeah, that's fucking yeah, insane. She's like, okay, finally I'm gonna cut ties with my mom. Like <laughs> right. that was the push she needed right. finally. The prosecutor argued back, citing Kesha's recent drama with her mother concerning the boyfriend that she had threatened to kill. The prosecutor was like, Why would Kesha help her mother commit murder if she hated her? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Like I'd go down for that bitch. And the defense attorney was like, You got me there. Yeah. Probably. Now Olga's attorney argued that his client was too stupid to know that there was a murder plot. Those are his words. She was too stupid. <laughs> this is a direct quote from Olga's attorney. I can't tell you how a person can be that stupid. I can only tell you that she was. <laughs> That's honestly my favorite. Is when someone's lawyer in court is publicly owning them with the attempt for their defense. For their defense, yeah. they're like, "Look, is my client a dumbass? Yes. Are they a murderer? No. But they are a dumbass. They're Your Honor. very.
2: They're actually very, very dumb. <laughs> and I would like that on the record. <laughs> I would be like, you know what? I'd rather be guilty of murder than to have that on the record <laughs> that I'm an idiot. I have some pride. <laughs>
1: So obviously, the jury was not buying any of these hilarious, ridiculous tactics. And in the end, Helen Golay and Olga Ruderschmidt were found guilty of first degree murder. They were both sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And that's really the last we've heard of them. Really? Yeah. Like they haven't, they, may, they tried to make an appeal. You Are know? they still alive? Yeah.
2: Okay. So that's the story. Damn. I feel like I want to know more. Like, yeah. I'm so fascinated by those two characters. Like, I would love to watch a, movie, a TV movie on them I, or something. I'm telling you that I'm honestly surprised that a movie hasn't been done about these women. Well, because they're actually really crazy characters. Right. Like, this isn't just, like, obviously the crimes are horrible and these men were killed yeah. and they're like ruthless killers. But, I find their story fascinating right? because I want to know like the things I want to know are are like how they came across this, how they came up with the scam, like how that process happened. Like I want to see like the scene where they come up with it. There's also something weird where they don't actually seem like they're good friends. No,
1: actually, (laughs)
2: they were friends
1: for a while. Like they had met in the 80s, but their friendship started like they started growing resentful at each other part of it was helen was always the richer one okay. helen had money before so it's almost these like she scans. was just doing
2: this for for no reason like
1: helen was doing this more for a thrill and also helen was really pure evil and had a complete absolute disdain for people that she believed were
2: beneath her station and she also wanted more She 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 was very greedy
1: and she hated poor people. Like literally that's the truth. Or she didn't think they were of value. She did not think people who were poor had anything to contribute. She said some horrible quotes that I read about Katrina victims. Like she just was an evil rotten person to her core who had a complete disdain for poor people Um, or people who, you know, were suffering some kind of thing. So uh, Olga on the other hand, was much more finan. Olga was evil too. She was much more financially motivated, whereas Helen was just like, you know, very, wanted even more wealth than she already
2: had from her. Re- yeah, because she had a. And liberative- she had a thrill being and being a con artist. Yeah, or a scammer.
1: Yeah. So Helen, I mean Olga, ended up growing resentful at Helen because. Helen always had more money than her and she felt like she was always doing Helen's dirty work
2: yeah and Helen was probably in charge right yes like, yeah
1: like Olga was the one recruiting these men and Helen was sort of just like raking in the cash at the end of the day well she was
2: figuring out all the financial gain possibilities Yes, probably
1: so Olga felt like at the end she was doing all the grunt work and like she wasn't being appreciated and there were different reports I read that said like both of them like weren't even friends the last few years like they were just purely yeah. a business
2: it's That way, right? Like it wasn't like these were two. Even I think at their height, or when they were really close friends, it still didn't seem like a close relationship. Well, I'm sure they weren't
1: exactly having this like loving,
2: nurturing friendship. No, like I'm sure they're both just sort of incapable. I mean, it was the whole friendship was born out of. I think in general, I'm always fascinated when two kind of sociopaths connect, right? And it's sort of not really intimate but they're it's like weird to me because it's creepy well they
1: both bonded over being liars yeah that was it's such a weird thing they bonded yeah. over it's is like, like a
2: weird you're like me it's kind of just the most base yeah sort of connection and
1: like they did like one of like the most horrific thing possible is they took advantage of like the most vulnerable people in society
2: yeah that's like a thing i'm curious of like how they came to this scam right like we i mean it's one of those things where you're kind of shocked that people still try to do life insurance scams. Right. Because it's such an... like. <laughs> I know there are legitimate reasons to have life insurance policies, obviously. Right. Or they wouldn't exist. But there is something where it's always... It would probably be most people's first instinct to be like well why do they have a life insurance policy like well if you're investigating a murder or a suspicious death well, it's a true crime cliche at this point yeah so it's always shocking to me when people still do it especially when it's like their husband or something where it's obvious you have the connection this is like a little bit more tricky well helen who are these people
1: helen and olga thought they had found like the perfect loophole because they waited so long in between like acquiring the policies they're like we're gonna wait two years because after two years there was some technical thing that happened after two years where like the insurance companies don't investigate didn't investigate certain
2: things as much or it wasn't researched i mean that's why you know there was some meeting at like coffee bean (laughs) where they like worked it all out like here's what we're gonna do you know what i'm saying is like i do want to see like
1: you know i i want to see like somebody like who who would I'm trying to think who I would cast as fucking Helen Goulet like I mean you could put Helen Mirren in that role like you could put any like amazing yeah. a- older actress and in just that put role. that wig on them but they would crush it like yeah. how good would this movie be
2: I think it's a good movie yeah I'm shocked like it needs to be a movie so we should write this movie okay. yeah I mean I agree don't copy us <laughs> Yeah, copy, we're, gonna, we're copyright, bitch. Yeah, we're writing this movie right now, so We've don't copy us. We've already sent the envelope to the WG, WGA. Yeah. I don't even know if that's still how it works. <laughs> <laughs> don't copy us. Okay. Um, um, cool. Yeah, that's it. Um, we'll post a picture of her Yeah, We on will Instagram.
0: definitely post pictures. Okay. okay. Cool. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...